0: Had enough of the been there, done that ideas, tired of too much talk and so little action? Rewind now and welcome to Transformation and Change Radio with Dr. Kathy O'Bear, where the vision of true equity, inclusion, courage, and purpose meet powerfully. Dr. Kathy delivers with dynamic, engaging conversation and the most authentically brave dialogue on air today. This hit show will challenge you to explore current issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and deepen your capacity to choose courage to speak up to greater inclusion in everything you do. Fasten your seat belts and accelerate your effectiveness to become a powerful change agent in your life, community, job, and society. Imagine true equity and inclusion and get the tools to really manifest your vision. No frills, no fluff, just really powerful, good stuff. Transformation and Change Radio starts now.
1: Welcome, all the listeners. I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bear, Center for Transformation and Change, and I'm particularly excited about these two fabulous guests, Kim Baker Flowers and Beth Douther Cohen, and I'll introduce them in a minute. But we are doing part four of insights from senior diversity officers. Your organization might call them VPs or vice chancellors or senior uh, chief diversity officers. I do tend to try not to use the word chief given the unintended or the impact for folks or indigenous and that's the language many people are using. So how do you keep an equity inclusion, social justice focus and frame in this time of crisis management? What I love about being able to be with you two in part four is in some ways each of these reflects the moment in time where we work. The first one, we were about a month into this pandemic. And as you saw, I can see my body, people were like meeting daily <laughs> often as executive leaders. And there was a frantic urgency, speed. I'm not sure that's shifted as people are looking at budgets and layoffs and furloughs. And the people I'm talking with in, this is my 11th week, some people 12th, 13th week of sheltering, maybe in a place of reflecting where have we been What are we missing and how do we really look at the scenarios, particularly in higher ed, which is where you both are, but folks listening might be corporate, they might be nonprofit, they might be K-12 and other organizations. So, sheltering in place for so many with all of our privileged identities and week 12 or 13 of essential workers, putting your life on the line daily. So all of that's happening in higher ed and other organizations. So I'm excited to come and say, how are people planning now for the future moving in place and particularly how are we getting senior leaders keeping an equity inclusion lens. So first, let me officially welcome you all. Let me start with Kim Baker Flowers. I was trying to remember when we met, but what I know is as you are currently the university diversity officer at California State University, East Bay and y'all already announced you're doing full online services, teaching for the fall in California state. Mm -hmm. But you were, that's when I knew you, what four or five years now, Reverend Dr. Jamie Washington and I, y'all brought us to Portland Community College Mm -hmm. where you were the senior diversity officer there. And so over some Chinese dinners and some other meals, just really had a chance to get to know you over the years. So, um, so excited in a moment, I'll let you say more about yourself. Uh, but I also want to just acknowledge Beth Douther Cohen. I couldn't remember how we met either. I thought it was the Social Justice Training Institute, and so for years, actually both are alums, but Beth, you were an alum, and as a white identified person, I remember going, huh, you got my attention, and then as you've gone through intern, and now you're in the next generation faculty development program as we've talked your strategic thinking you also ask questions that i haven't ever thought about before and kim early on i was so impressed with your strategic thinking and resilience hanging in there with well-intended particularly white people but folks like me with many other multiple privileged identities just that long-term strategic work and beth you're currently the executive director diversity, equity, inclusion, the chief diversity officer role at Frederick Community College. So that's why I was excited because you both have community college strategic executive equity inclusion work. And Beth, you were the former deputy chief diversity officer at Maryland College Park. And so just very excited. Again, significant four year experience and community college experience. So as I take a deep breath, And just to start, Kim, why don't you start us off, then I'll go to Beth. Just tell us a bit more about yourself and maybe how you got to this work and your passion for it, particularly in this pandemic.
2: Yeah, so thank you so much for uh, having me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation and dialogue. Um, I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. So that is a hyper-segregated city. And uh, just growing up, you're very, very aware of race. Um, you're very, very aware of the impacts. And I remember in high school, I got really activated um, because of things that I saw as injustices. And they were, you know, appropriate teenage injustices, like my music wasn't being played at a high school dance. And, you know, I, I got activated and had a petition and signed. And it. Um, I, I very much developed an interest in civil rights and was inspired by folks who had come before me. went to law school um, and that experience itself, walking along those hallways, um, Mm -hmm. being one of only seven in my class that are African-American, feeling and being name called, uh, being told you're basically an affirmative action um, student, um, going up against uh, all of that and then having no one in administration to advocate for us that we could go to. Um, It was a very, very uh, isolating experience. And I remember thinking no one, it shouldn't this be this hard for anyone to just try to get through school, especially law school where it's this very intense academic environment. Um, And I fell into higher ed um, doing primarily uh, external and internal community building work at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Um, and was very fortunate to have a boss who nurtured this desire around diversity and social justice in me and let me just explore and uh, work on initiatives. And I quickly found that I could be that voice. I could be that person um, that could speak out, that could advocate, that could plan and try to create this more kind of supportive, inclusive um, environment for students. Uh, I don't believe that we should be creating these artificial hierarchical barriers just because they've always been that way. And um, that's part of my passion that keeps me fueled right now is um, it, it's, it's for me in my lens, it's very, very simple. Um, if you're trying to act equitably, you do and you give the student, the faculty, the staff, the things that they need individually in order to be successful what do we have to do to create those environments that make that happen? Um, Yes, uh, you can say that uh, capitalism and all the other isms come into play and are what you're fighting daily, but I've seen enough change, I've seen enough transformation, individual growth that I know that there's always possibilities and that's what keeps me fueled that's what keeps me going um in this current pandemic um it's gotten a little bit harder just because i'm at home and i have a son who is 20 and he's very very good at it and uh he is not happy at being stuck in the house with me uh, and we're in an apartment in california so it feels oh, it's very, very tight um but uh I am very much fueled by, I know what his educational experience has been. I know that I have been a fighter and advocate and um, all kinds of things as mom to him, trying to get him through because he's an African-American male. Um, I know that a lot of these things still exist. And again, that's part of my passion and part of my fuel to, I can make things different. I've got the uh, education and background and the desire and the passion to change, to make change, positive change. And that's what keeps me passionate. That's what keeps me fueled. Um, and that's especially what's keeping me going right now. Um, because I, you know, just honestly, it's, it's, it gets hard some days, um, especially now, but, um, that is my primary motivator right now.
1: Thank you, and I just love getting to know you even more as you shared. And the running on fumes—that may not be mm-hmm. you, but I'm hearing that a lot. And my gut said, and so how do you all, in your senior roles, much less empower others throughout the organization to keep going and care for the caregivers? So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Beth, come on in. Passion. How did you get here? Just enough, you know, so we get to know you, and then we'll just leap in. Yeah, I really appreciate hearing your story,
3: Kim, and I'm excited to to meet you because we've not (laughs) met before. Um, So I'm grateful to you, Kathy, for bringing us together to have this opportunity. Um, I think maybe similarly high school um, was definitely a turning point for me. Um, I went to uh, six different schools in 12 years, um, and I think, uh, and and it was not because we moved, right? So uh, for some families, that's the reality, and that was not necessarily my reality, um, and it was definitely, I think, when I look back on my journey, a lack of belonging. Um, and parents who are like, we're going to find you a space, right? We're going to find you a place uh, where you can thrive. Um, and we're going to figure out what that place is, right? Um, and had the means, the class privilege, right? The w- white privilege to be able to do that um, in some ways. Um, and so I think, I think that began my journey in high school. Definitely, I was like, why we can make this a better place? and this can be a place for more people um, and definitely started becoming grounded in identity and maybe that was also the identity politics of the late nineties. Um, definitely, I think it had a, had a role in that as well for me. Um, so what's happening in the world. Um, I think for me at this moment, um, what's really keeping me passionate about this work is this time is just exaggerating what we already know in this work, right? So it is just exaggerated to a level that um, I find myself someone who every day, day in, day out is decoding, right? unpacking my own stuff, the stuff of the world around me, the racism, the classism, the sexism, the ableism, right? Um, all of those isms. Um, I just find this time to be a time where it's exaggerated in ways that um, I would not have imagined in January, even though I thought it already is so exaggerated, right? Um, so the, the unequal suffering, um, this idea that I actually am safe, both me and my partner, um, and, and most of our family are able to telework. Um, some of us have lost portions of our jobs, but, and yet I feel so unsafe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, this, uh, reality of this time that, um, there's this, this weird unsafety, right? Lack of certainty, chaos. Um, and so I bringing the possibility of justice during a time like that um, during a time like this is uh, essential to me um, and essential to what i've done throughout my life and what i want to be doing now
1: i have so many questions a new thought i'm having that folks are not only will i have a job has my job changed we already have family members so i have been furloughed laid off what's the future and then with the murder Of Amit Arbery, um, Riona, Taylor? I think Tyler, yeah. Um, Tyler. And so many folks we don't know. And then the anti Semitism, the class. So people may be, quote, in our homes and not have pandemic fear as much today. And yet the virtual violence. So, with a whole context, Um, Let me come back to you, Kim. Just what are you noticing uh, in this kind of current time around the pandemic? How are senior leaders and leaders throughout the organization thinking about equity inclusion? How are you all as senior diversity officers taking those risks to, again, raise the issues, even though there's probably a emotional and political cost? The story and what I'm hearing is before there was cost for senior diversity leaders, but now in this time of just kind of crisis, I'm hearing that folks are getting moved out and not listened to, and actually you're not in the meetings where you need to be. So start wherever your heart is. It's just, what are you noticing and leaders and what do we need to be doing?
2: Um, so I'm feeling just really, really fortunate right now. Um, As a diversity officer, just because I've got the team on the cabinet um, that I I sit with, um, because our governor last week on Thursday dropped this $54 billion deficit bomb and uh, (laughs) gave us this six page document for the CSU uh, that had listed out all the cuts. That are going to happen and so we've been in this kind of stressed um you know we're back to meeting quite a bit more often to try to figure out you know how do we balance the human impact and how do we balance this institutional impact and my boss um, Leroy Marishta I'm just really grateful that I'm sitting where I'm sitting has been really, really intentional and thoughtful and hasn't made any kind of capitalistic kind of, you know, logical, just let's do this this, and this and done. Uh, We've had actual dialogue. I was able to, um, he gave us a question um, and he asked us to think about it over the weekend. I was able to use critical race theory. I used identity cards did an analysis, wrote it up, and we had the conversation about it at Cabinet uh, on Monday. So again, I'm feeling really grateful about we're being as intentional as we can be, we're being as thoughtful as we can be, trying to balance, again, these realities, because that 10% has got to come from somewhere. Um, But also trying to put people first. Um, And I, I lived through the other recession at another institution um, and it's the complete opposite kind of approach at this one. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful that we're trying to be thoughtful, that we're trying to be intentional. I've been permitted and it's not so much permission. I'm it's, it's, it's just the culture I think of the leadership at the place that I'm at right now where we're able to dialogue, we're able to at least have the conversation and I feel as if I'm being heard. Whereas in other institutions, um, It felt like I was very much, you know, hitting my head up against the brick wall. Uh, And I was trying to figure out creative ways to go under or over or sideways uh, to get people to actually, and that's across the table, everyone on cabinet to think thoughtfully. Um, And I feel like I've got that right now. So I'm just feeling really, really, really thankful because I've got the trauma from the last time and I'm trying not to let that influence the way that I behave and react this time. Um, So I'm holding both of those things and I'm able to have voice and advocate and I don't right now really feel as if that I have to be measured because again I've got this luxury and privilege where I sit right now currently where I feel as if I'm empowered to be and show up as me and say and my boss is used to me saying so I'm very very grateful for that.
1: Well, that gives me hope and I don't hear your story as often as I hear others Mm -hmm. from senior leaders. Could you share, and if not, what was the question that your president asked the leadership team over the weekend to ponder? I just love that as a practice.
2: Um, He was talking about the different scenarios about trying to repopulate the campus. Um, What could that look like? What should we be doing? Um, and, um, I'm trying to remember what the other question was, it was, but it was primarily about how do we get back to what this post COVID normal will look like while again, trying to, um, ensure safety, ensure that all the different identities, you know, those who have caregiver responsibility, all these things are being held at the same time. And I gotta tell you, it's it's extremely challenging. I, there were some questions when I was running it through critical race there. I was like, I, I don't even know. I can't, I don't have an answer. Um, so yeah, we're still wrestling with a lot of that,
1: but to have the senior leader hold people first, all of our mission, vision, values, priorities, and that includes equity inclusion lens, full breadth of differences. Mm-hmm. What a practice that is. So Beth, what's coming up for you as you hear Kim, and also just what are you noticing that either on the campuses you know about, you don't have to talk about specific ones, just what are leaders, the challenges and the strategies they're using or the gaps they're finding?
3: Yeah, I feel like this time has, uh, it exaggerates the strengths of institutions and the struggles, right? So for me, at least that's the way it's felt. And I'd actually argue that's maybe people too. So I'm like, my strengths are rocking right now. My struggles, they are all over every Zoom screen right out there. Um, and so it's, you know, I think that that has been um, what I'm seeing at my own institution, at other institutions. Um, and so one of the things I'm really grateful for, I've been thinking a lot and I've checked in on some chief diversity officers, senior diversity officers who are new in their roles, in the last, you know, they, I know one who started in January, right? Um, I'm two and a half, almost three years, it'll be three years this August into my position. And um, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is the work that we've done as a campus in building people's capacity to ask questions around equity. And diversity and inclusion, right? To, to get kind of foundational questions: Who are we talking about? Who are we not talking about? Decoding, right? Um, what you know? Whose experience are we not thinking about? How do we even figure out whose experience we're not thinking about, right? Um, making space and making room for hearing lived experiences, right? Hearing all of that anecdotal um, experience. I mean, that's the way it's thought about, right? anecdotal data data about what people are experiencing and really incorporated it into how we're thinking. Um and so the the capacity building I feel like that we've done has been really helpful in this time. Um, I emailed a group of deans I think earlier this week and said, "Hey, I know there's these three meetings that are coming up and I can't do all of them. Right? <laughs> like you know, do do you all have it? If <laughs> you have the equity questions, what can I do to support you?" In that. Um, and the deans replied very differently, and they were all great responses, right? One dean's like, okay, so I think we have the parent perspective, and I think we have the, you know, uh, a perspective around people who have chronic health issues or in over 60, and I, I think we have the most vulnerable populations in these ways, right? Um, and we're able to kind of name that and list that um, as we think about this. These are also meetings connected to returning and, and what that would look like Um, And so I was so grateful to their, you know, their capacity to be able to name how they were going to approach these conversations Um, and also ask questions, Um, you know, what about this? Or have you heard about other institutions that are doing that? And that's been something we've really been focused on as an institution is we do not have to reinvent all these wheels. There are institutions which with many more resources, many more people thinking about that, and they need to share with us how they are approaching certain things right so that we can adjust to our context because as as Reverend Dr. Jamie Washington always says right the context before the content and um we need some content because um as our provost said in a meeting a few weeks ago I didn't I didn't learn all this in provost school right like <laughs> this was not covered right um, and I really appreciated uh, him saying that because it's true right um, so Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a little bit of a snapshot of of also from a, I think, a somewhat positive perspective. Um, I will say that other struggles are real, right? There's always the instinct towards equality. Let's just do the same for everyone. We'll offer everyone the same thing. And then at least we've been, quote, unquote, fair, right? So equating fairness and equality um, and being like, okay, and that's not equitable. Mm -hmm. Because we know there's profound differences in struggle right now. And so how do we, the, given the breadth of this of the struggle, right, how do we address that? Both the breadth and the depth of the need.
0: Um, and that
3: that is not easy. Um, and so I have been grateful to people, even when they're like, please, can we just do the same thing <laughs> right, for everyone, holding the idea of, or what would equity even look like? Here? I can only imagine equality. So what would equity mean?
1: So many great ideas from you both. We're about to go to break. I'm going to ask you, how can people contact you? But a couple quick ideas I'm getting from listening for senior diversity officers that are newer, really seeking out those mentors or just putting out a call. We'll I'll start a call like all of a Zoom. Can other folks join? And really seeking out peer and aspiring institutions whether it's California State is already organizing all the senior diversity officers and other types. That's what I've loved about bringing people together. We had someone from a Christian university and someone from um, a more Southern university. And so, um, and folks who are two, three, 10 years, 15 years in, how can senior diversity officers support others? Um, And the other idea of inviting yourself to meetings, but realizing you don't have the capacity. So really coaching and consulting senior leaders who are running those meetings. As we move to break, could you each just share how could people contact you? uh, If they just have a few more questions and you both do coaching and consulting, I know. And so if you'd like to share how they could use you and we'll do that again at the end, just Kim, why don't you just kind of if you're willing to share, how can people find you?
2: Yeah, so my email, my uh, Cal State email is kimberly.bakerflowers at csu eastbay.edu. That's the easy, I'm on it all the time. <laughs> That's the <laughs> easiest way to get in touch with me, and I'm happy to have any kind of dialogues.
1: Fabulous.
3: And Beth, how can people find you? So uh, my email is BethAuthorCohen@gmail.com. at gmail.com, uh, so it's exactly as my name is written, but no spaces, no hyphens, no dots, um, just Betouth-Cohen at gmail.com, and please feel free to, to reach
1: out. And as always, DrCathyBaird.com backslash events, E-V-E-N-T-S, you'll find some of my free resources. They're also on the radio page. My book, in the long haul, this could be a great time for people to look at self-care and community care. What have we been doing and what do we need for the next month, two months? Folks are exhausted, burning out, and we have to be prepared for the next few months, much less second and third wave. There's a video of me teaching about self-care and then navigating difficult situations. Folks can get access to a course for free, at least through August. How do you navigate our own times were triggered as well as when others and it's a free six hour video. And then if folks want to learn more about designing, facilitating workshops, equity, inclusion, any time, but particularly in these times. Designing, facilitating workshop is a phenomenal, I believe, self-paced virtual course. It's hybrid. So, and always I'm here to, how can I support you? So thank you all. I can't wait to come back afterwards as we're looking at as senior diversity officers, how do we position equity, inclusion, social justice in everything we do and get the entire organization empowered and doing it. So thank you so much. We'll be back in a few minutes.
4: Are you ready to transform your life and embrace magical experiences? Talking to Tannis with your host Tannis McCray is here to help you find your joy in life. Tune in live every first and third Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Let's awaken your experience and create the change necessary to take back your right to choose who you are. For more about Tannis, visit TalkingToTannis.com. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about? Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator Dr. Monica each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit burnbrighttoday.com.
0: Raising the vibrations through stimulating conversations while exploring the mysteries of Atlantis and Lemuria on Tales from the World Radio with me, Amirabeth. Join us every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Be ready to feel empowered and an active part of the changing earth. For more information about me, visit Amirabeth.com.
1: Welcome back. I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bare, Center for Transformation Change. So excited to continue this dialogue with Kim Baker Flowers and Beth Douther Cohen as we continue to look at, in this current context of pandemic, several months in, looking at summer, looking at fall, and then possible second, third waves. Just keep breathing how are we getting leaders supporting them to have an equity inclusion, social justice lens in everything they do in crisis management, urgency. When my experience, when I'm into crisis, I kind of fall back on old thoughts, old biases, and I may not be making thoughtful decisions. And so as we're coming back, what are some other ways you're noticing specifically you've asked leaders or leaders on their own or keeping an equity lens or specific changes you're making that'll show people even now what they could be doing to better serve the full breadth of folks, students, staff, faculty, incoming students. So we've gone to Kim first each time and if you wanna go first, it's great. And I can also flip it up. Just what are some other specific ways that you'd recommend to keep equity inclusion on the screens?
2: Um, I think for me, it's, and I'm at the point in my career where I'm I'm just showing up as me. Uh, I can I can honestly say maybe five, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have. Uh, it would have felt too risky. But at this point, I'm just, uh, I feel very much, I can say what I need to say. Um, I can be that voice, I can be that advocate I can be the activist um, if, and the accomplice is necessary. Um, and I've, I'm pretty fortunate right now that I do have uh, leadership, at least on cabinet that I feel we've got enough of a rapport where they understand, I'm just, gonna, I'm going to say the things. Um, and there's usually a thoughtful kind of, at least I know they're going to think about it before they decide to do something. That's, I feel pretty assured. Now, when we go a layer down, um, that's when things um, sometimes might get um, a little bit more challenging uh, because you have folks who are holding things um, and, you know, we, we've got the, the tension between efficiency and equity. And because of, you know, hierarchy and institutional racism, efficiency is usually going to win out. So what do, what language do I need to use? Is it the business case? Is it, you know, what is it, especially under the pandemic context? I, I'm oftentimes trying to scramble and figure out, okay, what's, what are the words that I need to say? There's magic words. I don't care what anyone, tells. there's particular words that you can say where you, catch, you capture folks' attention um, and they'll engage. And it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm struggling more and more around finding that language that will resonate for each of these different pockets like for example with faculty you know it's this tension between asynchronous and synchronous learning Um, we know that students of color don't do as well in asynchronous environments and my particular institution is predominantly students of color so but because of safety we're pretty much going to be in an asynchronous environment So me coming up and saying, but we need to be equitable and we need to give our students what they individually need in order to be successful, they're like, well, how do we do that? Um, And so it's trying, you know, I'm trying to find the language and the creative ways to engage. Um, And it's sometimes I'm successful, but oftentimes it's like, it's it's a struggle.
1: I hear that and I could be wrong, but like I'm doing a webinar tomorrow on how to use an inclusion lens in crisis management. And one of the strategies I'm suggesting is at this time, you pull people together and ask those questions that you're asking, what have you been doing? First, what have you noticing about whose needs are getting met and whose aren't? And then how have you been kind of on the fly adjusting? So whether it's the intersection of first gen, students of color, uh, low income students, maybe without interconnectivity, students with disability, you know, and just asking those questions and going to strengths. And what else have you been thinking about that we can be planning for and do some systemic support so it's not all just individual faculty to student. So that's a real micro way of having people come together in all sorts of ways. Because uh, my guess is, you may be feeling the pressure, both of y'all, of like, I gotta have the answers. I don't, but you know how to ask the questions and you bring community together. You're not in Kim.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great idea.
1: Okay, so Beth, what other strategies, building on what Kim's talking about, either you wanna recommend or you've seen or you're done at this moment to really support, especially as we move farther into the organization, equity and inclusion into everything we do?
3: Yeah, I really appreciate the question. I think there are certain ways that I've shifted how I do some of my work. Um, So I often, uh, when I teach grad courses around uh, this type of work, I talk about how, I talk about the history of this work, right, that it used to be very prescriptive. We would tell people the language to use. We would tell them exactly. We give them scripts almost, right? Um, so if you look at curriculum from you know 25, 30 years ago, corporate especially, but across the board. And I find myself actually during this time being much more practical, much more grounded um, than I've ever been <laughs> in this work. And so that has definitely been a shift for me. And I think it's been super effective, especially with faculty who. Um, In our context, faculty are the main contacts right now with students um, because they have to be, right? Because that's what the student is there for, right? Is is that classroom. Um, That is not to say our our student affairs, which we call learning support in in our institution is very engaged, heavily engaged, but every single solitary student has faculty. Um, And so really building faculty's capacity to know the resources of the institution which we're always working to do, right? if, you're, if you can relate to that, right? We're always working to make sure that, the, that faculty know where they can refer a student to or, or what options there are. Um, there's a lot more of that. Um, and at the same time, balancing increasing instincts, right? So increasing the practical knowledge that is needed, but at the same time, the instincts around that, um, because we can't, we can't prescribe what every scenario a faculty member is gonna encounter with a student, right? Um, And so that has definitely been um, great, I think, and very effective for our time. I similarly, I I really relate to this idea, Kim. I don't know if I would have, I appreciate you giving me language for it. The idea that I'm like trying to figure out how can we slow this conversation down? um, Because that's actually usually what is needed um, to have an equity lens. Um, And that is a very complicated thing to name or to ask for in in, in a moment of urgency. Um, and urgent across every argument you can think of. <laughs> the business model argument, the social justice model, right? We need expediency, people are struggling, people are suffering, we need, we need responses. Um, and so some of the things that I think we have used or utilized the way you interrupt bias, you slow it down, right? Even five minutes slowing it down can be helpful, but that feels, that that's hard in this moment. Um, I would say one of the more effective um, things that have felt really important to me, and I've seen that, uh, this at other institutions too, is making sure the right people are in the Zoom meeting, right? Making sure that people who are, represent and are closest, right? This, it's, it goes back to, I guess, uh, Brian Stevenson's, even though this is not exactly how he was using the idea of proximity, right? Who is most proximal to this struggle? Um, and so in our institution, that in some cases is students. In some cases, um, it's members of our student affairs group, right? Um, In some cases, it's some of our faculty or or staff. And so making sure that those perspectives are in the meetings. Um, And so I've seen that as a big part of my role, um, that people can hear each other and talk to each other. Um, We've had ongoing meetings where our academic affairs and our student affairs um, staff have been together in meetings. And it's not that they weren't before, but very regularly to say, what are you hearing from students and how can we as deans, assistant deans, communicate to faculty what you're hearing, right? How can we help with that communication? Um, Because I think communication is also a huge struggle right now across the board. Um, So yeah, those are some of the things that I think have felt um, most urgent to me.
1: Never no one's yet mentioned getting students actively involved in some of these task forces planning, and y'all might be doing it, but the people I've been talking to, no one is, you know, getting their voices in through here's what I'm hearing. But to actually have our clients, our students in the room mm-hmm. virtually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Kim, other ideas that are coming up for you before I want to talk about resistance and yeah buts.
2: Um I'm trying to think it's specifically as it regards in regards to students. Um, we have had students um, in many of the spaces where we're trying to thought partner on what do we do here towards the end, and this may get us towards you know the challenges. Um, when I, I usually do at least a pulse check in all the meetings that I lead, and I ask people to describe their thoughts or feelings and in the last two weeks, it's been primarily tired and exhaustion. And our students were in the middle of, you know, struggling with finances, finals, finding spaces within wherever they, you know, the places where they were to just be a student. And um, we're trying to honor all of that and hold it all at the same time, creating community and holding space, which I think is a unique um skill set that my division and uh, my office provides to the institution we're good at holding space and bringing people together in dialogue um but our students are you know they're they're saying i'm tired and exhausted i'm like well you know at that time it was eight or nine weeks what's going to happen in fall when it's going to be double the amount of time and the students were already zoomed out (laughs) they're like done um we had uh, recognition ceremonies and people were like you know it's wonderful thank you so much great i love that you're honoring me really don't want to do another zoom that kind of mm-hmm. so it's like so in, in my mind i'm like so what happens when we're in october um and you know we're at that eight or nine week and pretty you know i'm assuming that we're going to have experienced the same thing and what are our creative solutions to is there a different kind of modality how do we engage you know what are you know i don't want to default back to zoom but is that my only option i mean i'm my mind is constantly on the spin of how do we keep folks in it and students especially it's you know we're trying to figure out social media and different software and different ways to keep them in it because many of them are expressing to us and we did a uh just-in-time survey through the sociology department where they're really clear they don't like this they don't like this uh online stuff um and you know again the reality is bumping up against the desires and the articulated needs of the folks that we are here to serve so again it's this notion of how do you hold both at once and try to do it successfully and that that is my daily kind of struggle is you know let's Let's think out of the box. Let's think creatively. I'm, I love calling everything a pilot. We'll try it at least once. See if it works, you know, see what sticks. I, you know, I, that, that's my, that's the way I'm trying to engage folks, especially the students.
1: And that goes back to yours. You're trying to go throughout the organization who people who may not be showing up in the way you wish they were. What magic word? So pilot. um, doing things differently. Now, trying it out actually may help us avoid problems that are very costly and actually hurt our recruiting and retention down the line. <laughs> that whole financial business case, I think, could work as we move into the organization. Um, and let's just try it. I love it. As we just have a, you know, a few moments left let's look at resistance and that's my language, but what if folks are doing it the old way? I don't care how we used to do it and who was getting hurt, unintended impact, who we serve differentially. I really think this is a time to ask everyone, what are you doing that's actually, you never thought of you'd ever do and who's it really serving and how are people actually benefiting from the ways we're doing it? What can we keep So either that way or how do you deal with folks that are just wanting to go back to the old quote normal? The resistance not think about equity inclusion. And I'll start with Beth, and then we'll end with Kim. And I wish we had more time. Beth, what comes up for you? Um, a few things. I I
3: I've, we, I also am thinking a lot about the synchronous asynchronous question um, because of of the different things, the different needs. Um, so, you know, we have a large population of students with disabilities, it's the reason I'm loving being in community college as a person with dis- uh, multiple disabilities, right? Being able to be um, part of those communities. And, um, and so in some cases, for example, um, with uh, interpreters, right, synchronous spaces, the ability to, to make sure that that interpretation happens, right, is a huge question. Um, all students across the board, especially students of color, really love, need that community, right? They need the sense of, of belonging, um, and the sense that people are going to show up and help them learn the content of the course, and they're not going to have to do it alone, right? Um, and so, but then we have students who are, um, have been called up, um, in terms of military service, um, National Guard service, and so they, synchronous, is not an option for them, right? So then you record it, but it's obviously not the same, right? Um, and so, really kind of navigating that. And I, I use that example, one, because Kimmy brought it up, and I appreciate you bringing it up, because I would love to talk to you more about how, how you're thinking about it um, for fall. Um, but in a lot of faculty want the institution to make a decision. And this is not just an SC. Like, tell us, right? Do you want us to do it synchronous? Do you want us to do it asynchronous? What are the expectations? Like, what are, we need clear expectations at this point, right? Um, And it's complicated um, and really looks different. And so um, kind of around this, I had uh, polled my um, students for a grad course I'm teaching this summer. And 50% of my students says, yes, I could do synchronous, but it's not preferred. Um, And 50% (laughs) literally (laughs) said, yes, it is absolutely preferred. It's the only way I can learn. Right, um, and I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> so, what does that mean, and what does that look like for that student, and for me as a faculty member? So, it's powerful for me to watch this in real time, kind of while I'm trying to teach, um, and the and the faculty struggles. And um, so, the, one of the the forms of resistance that I'm seeing is this um, struggle. And I wonder if it's unique to community colleges. I'm guessing it is to an extent, but maybe not in another in other ways is this tension between just tell me what you want me to do, right? Also with, I think, uh, fear, and this is national fear, this is not necessarily specific to my institution of losing your position, right? Of losing your job. So just tell me what the expectations are and I'll execute them. Um, And widely diverse disciplines, right? Which need really different modalities. Um, And so some of the resistance is you can tell me this is good from a diversity, equity, inclusion standpoint, but how does that mesh with my discipline um, and, and and what does that look like? And so for me, the way that I've uh, na- navigated that, um, other than having great colleagues who are willing to navigate it with me, um, is to ask the questions, right? Well, what about this? The creativity, the, right, Being trying to be innovative. I have emailed random institutions in our country and said, hi, how are you all doing blah, blah, blah? Asynchronously, um, right? Um, so really trying to um, to to build on the work that other people are doing and understand how to do, um, and maybe have more resources to do, um, so that that we can support people in having right. We're not going like this. The more we we think kind of in a tunnel in a tunnel way, I think the less possibilities that are open to us, the less innovation, the less creativity, um, and it is hard to be creative in a time like this. Um, And so that has been, I think, a huge part of of my role is what, can we, give me 24 hours. Let me, let me try to think with some other people about options here. Um, And I know that 24 hours is scary and I'll come back to you with something, right, that we can move forward on. Um, And so that's definitely one way that I've navigated the urgency, the, we have to speed this up. It has to be, we have to move on from it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's some
1: thoughts. Thank you. And Kim, what does that bring up or other ways when there's more resistance and like, let's just do it the old way. What, what comes
0: up?
2: It made me think, and I don't know why I just went completely individual and personal, um, because I was thinking about this notion around fear, uh, this notion around, um, let's be efficient and let's do things quickly and me showing up, um, as a woman, as an African-American woman in this position, uh, where there's hiring chills, where folks are afraid if you know, whether or not their job is deemed valuable or essential diversity. That's a real, um, that's a real fear because in many institutions, diversity may not be seen as essential. And in this modality where we're talking virtually to each other, um, me showing up the way I do. I've been in places and worked in um, in previous positions where I felt as if I was hyper surveilled in terms of how I presented and watching my facial expressions. And Zoom allows people to just look directly at your face, um, and it's like so you know the risk of that kind of courageous voice, ensuring that you know you're you're you're. you're 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 all these thoughts of how you're showing up literally how your face how you're reacting um, your fears the social political you mentioned Ahmad all these things that are happening you're bringing your personal and professional they're colliding because you're literally working at home Um, and it's all happening at one time and you're trying to be clear-headed enough to be this courageous voice um all while you know surveilling yourself I mean it it, I, I think It can oftentimes feel overwhelming. Um, I'm feeling very, very fortunate right now that I am where I am at. And don't feel as if I have to be as um, on, so to speak, as I needed to be in other places. Um, But I do empathize with those who are in the position right now, especially coming out as chief diversity officers, standing out when it often feels like you're on a limb by yourself. Um, and whether or not you've got allies, especially around your senior administration, that cabinet table, who will at least echo um, and reinforce what you're trying to say, um, it feels risky. Um, but the only thing, um, and those are the biggest challenges, again, I, this is my eye, I felt very much going internal in response to what Beth, that was what was coming up for me. Um, but I, I do believe that we are standing in a moment where there's truly possibility for creativity there. You are doing what is right. You are doing things that are in service to your students. Um, and it may you know, not be uh, a financial kind of uh, a clear um, tactile assurance but understand that you are in solidarity with many folks across the nation who have been there, who are in your shoes, who are feeling just as um, sometimes just singular in their moment of trying to be courageous in voice. And I wanna say for everyone that's listening, um, you are very much valued and appreciated. And I can empathize uh, with many of those different emotions um, because they're coming up for me as well.
1: So powerful, what a way to end because so many folks I think are in that position do I take that risk? And we with more privileged identities, particularly who identify as white, what's our role in being the one to speak up, ask the questions so folks of color literally are not putting their jobs on a line every time they raise the issue. And the idea of both and, urgency and equity inclusion, move fast and slow down. So both and. As we close, I'm so grateful for you both. Would you please just remind people how they can find you? Because um, I think you're going to get some calls and emails. So uh,
3: my email address is uh, BethDowtherCohen at gmail.com. Um, so it's just exactly as my name is written. No hyphens, no no periods or spaces. Um, thank you so much, Kathy. I have really appreciated this conversation. It's been uh, healing and helpful and grounding. Um, so
2: I'm grateful. Mm. Uh, Kimberly.bakerflowers at CSU csueastbay.edu and uh, I echo what Beth said
1: thank you so much Kathy I appreciate you. I am so grateful for you both in my life and for the wisdom. Yes having you both was wonderful and again folks on the radio show page you can find their emails as well as you can always email me and tomorrow on Thursday the 21st of May I'm doing a webinar how to use an equity, inclusion, social justice lens in everything we do in crisis management. So you can just go to drkathyobert.com backslash events, sign up, if you don't come, you can get the video and that itself could be a way to build internal capacity, breadth and depth of the organization, you'll get lots of ideas and strategies. And I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bear with Center for Transformation and Change. So grateful for all the folks who are keeping equity, inclusion, social justice, a race lens in everything we do. It is not easy. It is a scary time. And it's an exciting time, as Kim said and Beth said. Possibilities. Bring people together for expansive thinking. That's what this next month or two could really be.
0: You've been listening to Dr. Kathy O'Bear on Transformation Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to catch us next time as Kathy inspires listeners to become agents of change. Motivate, innovate, and speak truth to power. Step into the courageous you that will change the world. Connect to life-changing conversations to extend your reach. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com.